Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. I am back here with my coach, David. Uh, David, thanks for joining me again as, uh, as my coach and mentor and, uh, repeat interviewer and interviewee. I'm ex- so excited to be on because it's a celebration uh, podcast and celebration podcasts are the freaking best. Plus I'm recording this. People listening to the podcast can't see, but I am in the Jonathan Levitt suite in Boulder, Colorado, where he stayed when he visited this summer. So um, yeah, I can't wait to catch up. Cool. Are all of the treats still on the floor from, uh, from when the dogs try to eat them? Oh yeah, all the chocolate treats that. So Jonathan, as any good traveler does, um, packs a number of glorious treats. How? Um, honestly, he was. It was kind of like the uh, the bar checkout aisle at Whole Foods or something. Um, so it was remarkable. And um, there's a dog in the house, not our dog, but uh, Megan's mom's dog that has a nose for food that cannot be stopped. So this dog not only opened the door that was shut and locked, but um, found his way to eat all of Jonathan's bars. Fortunately, um, it was just a good lesson for the dog. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so no, the it, everyone, all the dogs here are alive um, temporarily. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah, exactly. That's probably the best conclusion of this podcast. <laughs> In conclusion, that's it. End of no, <laughs> we're alive temporarily. Exactly. Well, cool. Um, yeah, so I want to have you back on. A couple of people asked about doing something similar to what we did for um, a, a conversation after Providence in the spring. Um, and I figure we can sort of chat through the the, the run. And the run was uh, run in, in air quotes, um, the adventure through the Grand Canyon and back uh, that I did this past weekend, um, and maybe just more in general. So yeah, so... I mean, I, I first want to ask you a question. Sure. Um, so you're starting in the dark, yep. right? Um, and I want to fast forward just a little bit to when you're fo- first like in the canyon and fully able to um, behold the splendor, as they say, um, of like this massive thing. Like I think a lot of people, when they think of like a mountain or the Grand Canyon, it's easy to summarize it in your head uh, as this normal thing, but it is so abnormally massive. Um, like, was there a moment where the sun came up and you realized the immensity of your undertaking? Yeah. And I, I realized the immensity of the, of the arena that I was in when I didn't see anybody around me. Um, so to, to back up on your backing up, I'm afraid of heights and I don't like running in the dark. 
So we started at 5 a.m. and I knew right away that I was going to be separated from everyone. Um, I decided I was going to go super slow and take it super easy. And I ran the first five and a half miles almost entirely by myself in the pitch black while descending 5,000 feet. So about four miles in, maybe the sun starts coming up. I'm in the Red Rocks portion of the descent, um, like the last two miles before you get to the river. And it was, it looked like Sedona. So if you've run on the trails in Sedona, it was like that kind of red rock and um, red dirt. And it was incredible because the sunrise was happening on my right. Um, the massive cliffs were happening on my left. So I was just looking right. <laughs> um, and I kept looking down and I didn't see headlights anywhere. And, and I didn't see anybody anywhere. And it was just like me in out there. That was it. Um, and was, so was that moment scary? I mean, I imagine there's some fear mixed in there, especially when you don't see anyone, you feel alone in this remote place with a cliff to your left. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty scary. Um, but as the sun was coming up, I was getting closer to the river level and um, I was getting a little bit more confident in my ability to not fall off the cliff. Um, sorry, mom, if you're listening to this. Um, and as, as I got closer, it basically it was awesome to have the, like the bad part out of the way at the beginning. I was not looking forward to this first hour stretch. And as the sun was coming up and as I was getting closer to the river, I knew that what was ahead of me was going to be like so fun. Uh, and it was. Well, we need to update the special skills section on your LinkedIn to say proficient at not falling off cliffs. And not great at. Uh, yeah, you don't need to be great at it. You just need to be like pretty good at it, yeah. especially for your mom if she's listening. Average, and, average is great. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, before we get to like the details, and I, you know, we're just kind of doing this free flowing. We didn't plan this out, but I'd love to zoom back even more to like the farther back in your running journey, so people understand that you know the con context of this. Yeah. Like, when did this first become thinkable to you? um, as, as an option and how did it unfold in terms of like developing the skills to be able to do, you know, I don't know the exact details on it, but 40 plus miles, 45 miles and 10,000, some 12,000 feet of climbing. Yeah. So initially this came up as an idea that my friend Tony and I had, Tony lives in San Francisco and he runs the November project, San Francisco group out there. And we travel a lot together. We go to Tahoe, we go, you know, all these places um, on these fun adventures. And we, he was saying how he wanted to explore more national parks. And the Grand Canyon came up and we said, oh, we could run rim to rim. Let's do that. So it was a progression of Tony wants to visit some national parks. We think we can run rim to rim. Uh, and then we asked some friends if they would be interested and as they say, it spiraled quickly from there. Um, so when I first agreed to doing this with some friends, it was set as rim to rim. It was around 21 miles across the Grand Canyon. Now it was going to be an epic adventure. As time went on, this was maybe Jan January or February. I can't remember when I first mentioned it to you, but um, when I first mentioned it, the, the only intent was rim to rim. 
And as a few weeks went on, I was like, that's attainable right now. I could do that right now. I probably shouldn't just do that. I should probably do rim to rim to rim and do something that scares me uh, even more so. Because at that time, I could, I don't think I could have done it. Um, I think I would have hurt, it would have hurt a lot more than it did. And it, it probably wouldn't have been a smart idea to, to do in that moment. Whereas I could have managed doing rim to rim. So the, the concept of running 42 plus miles across and back the grant on the grant in the Grand Canyon didn't, I didn't really grasp the like the uh, my ability to do it until I ran that marathon three weeks ago. When I did the when I did the casual Saturday, you had prescribed twenty five miles. I knew from the start I was doing a full marathon. <laughs> but I got I got back to the car at twenty five and a half, and I was like, "Let's fucking go! This is incredible! I feel amazing!" And I went. I was running it with at Wachusa Mountain, which is like gnarly. It's one of the few places in Massachusetts where you can get 5,000 feet of climbing in marathon distance. Um, so that took five and a half hours, and I was pretty worked. But I did it with um, I did it with a friend, Kirsten, uh, also in Swap, and uh, we had a great day. And I I felt so strong until mile 21 which was like four-ish, four-plus hours in. And prior to that day, my longest run was seven hours. I did that in Tahoe. And then after that, it was four and a half hours. So I had done my longest time on feet while also feeling amazing at the end of a 70-mile week. And like, if you had told me that I was going to be doing that a year ago, I would have looked at you like you had you know, four heads. Um, because I never thought I'd be like the kind of person that could, not the kind of person that would do it, but the kind of person that could do it. Um, and what, what happened, um, you know, in your own head? Not like, because obviously a coach can write numbers on a piece of paper sure. and they're meaningless, right? Like, I think coaches get too much credit in a lot of ways because, you know, it's just numbers. Yeah, like, no, I, I think that. The, the experience I had at Providence played a big part, but really just like, who cares? Like, what if I don't do it? What if I fail? Like what I've like completely given, like given up caring in the what if department in so many areas of my life in a good way that like, I was like, sure, let's, I'll figure it out. Like it'll happen or it won't happen. Um, the, the problem with getting to that point in the Grand Canyon is you either get out or it's a $15,000 helicopter ride. So, so I needed to be adequately prepared from a physical standpoint. Um, but the, the shift, I don't know that it was like, it wasn't a sudden thing. And it's, I say it all the time, like keep showing up. Like, that's my thing. That's my jam. Like, just keep doing what you're doing and consistency will be rewarded. Um, it's not, it's not one workout. It's not one long run, but it's stacking, stacking long run after long run and workout after workout and easy run after easy run and a combination of all of that. And you can do anything. So keep showing up, you know, you're, 
you work your freaking butt off. But when it comes to the the idea of like letting go of the self-evaluation that holds a lot of people back, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I see it all the time. How did that pro- like what? What led you to like, what could people learn from that? Because I think that that's the most powerful thing about your story is like, uh, one thing I want to emphasize, this would have been absolutely unthinkable, not like a year ago, but two years ago would have been so crazy. Like it would be like saying, well, I'm planning on going to Mars um, <laughs> a couple of weeks from now. Yeah. So like, it was that just life experience? Was it something you focused on? Like, yeah, I mean, I'd love to learn that just, you know, myself. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I have a whole big high in the sky or um maybe that's not the right phrase but like a whole big realization that that i came to with it i think it was really just um a conversation i had with Kara goucher on the podcast sort of comes to mind she talked about how she came in sixth at leadville and she thought that people were going to be disappointed in her for not winning or based on her performance and her realization was exactly what I've realized that people don't really care at the end of the day. It's all internalized pressure. And sure, that's huge for a lot of people. Um, but my, my goal has sort of shifted in the last year or so to like less, to less of a focus on, stepping stone to stepping stone and Amelia's talked about this a lot and it's less about like winning or um PRing or doing something amazing right now and then picking another goal but more about like I just want to have fucking fun and and doing these cool things allows me to have fun running a 259.40 versus a 30001 is the same race but somebody else has decided that the 259.40 versus 30001 is much more important. And the fact that, like, going back to that marathon, that I ran that time, that sub three time, and didn't get into Boston, like, great. I would, two, two or three years ago, that would have broke me. Like, I would have been, I'd still be mad, like, mad very mad about it. Um, but I was like, okay, whatever. Like it'll happen eventually. And it's not a, it's not a disconnect from reality. It's not a disconnect from caring about things, but it's like, it took me four years to get to that time goal. I'll get, I'll get another minute. I'll find another minute. You think I'll find another 20 minutes. Um, it'll happen eventually. And, and the same is true with the canyon where it was just the kind of thing where like I just wanted to have fun with my friends and to do so I mean you could say that I didn't need to run 45 miles in the Grand Canyon to have fun with friends but I wanted to do something that was so outside my wheelhouse and so totally different and the only way to do that was to put in the work to get there and then see what happens on the day of. I love that I mean you know seeing a little bit of your journey um like it seems like one of the things that's defined you since i've i've gotten to know you is that when when shit hits the fan in life you know and and i think athletically 
your athletics has tied directly to your personal, professional, like everything else. Like, right. you know, it's the same, like athletics is great because it's a metaphor for these things that right. you've, you've gone through. And, um, I mean, I feel like you've, I guess we're cussing on this podcast, but you've thrown your fucks to the wind as like, you know, life has thrown hurricanes at you. You know what I mean? So you're just like throwing the fucks up into like an 120 mile an hour wind and just being okay with that. Um, like, do you think, do you tie the athletics back to the personal professional a little bit? Absolutely. And, and it's been fascinating because as you said, like I've had an interesting year going through a breakup, going through the loss of a very close family member, which was the first time I've lost a close family member ever. Um, I had some of my hardest life weeks or months in parallel with some of my best running ever in my life. And my chiropractor picked up on something really interesting. He said, you're progressing more than most people do. And you're getting more out of your workouts and you're getting more out of your recovery than pretty much anyone I know. You've said this too. And Megan has said this. And, and he said his, his realization was like, I'm doing the work in therapy that is allowing me to run and not use running as therapy. But when I'm running, I'm running and it's just for the sake of running and doing work and being appreciative and having gratitude and I'm not trying to work through other stuff when I'm running. And it allows me to like have these brutal workouts where I can go into it like this is going to hurt a lot. And I'm going to think about the hurt. You, you program workouts where it's painful in the moment and it's painful to think about doing it. Like the five by three minute hills. I hadn't run Summit Ave in Boston in probably two years. And I forgot how steep and gnarly it was. And 10 seconds in, I was like, this fucking hurts. And I have another 250 of this in the first rep. And all I could think about was how cool is it that we get to option, like choose this kind of pain right now. And then it stops. Um, the pain of a breakup, the pain of what happens after a breakup, the pain of losing a family member, the pain of talking to your family member for the last time ever. Um, that's not optional. That's life. You just deal with that. Um, and to have, to have the, the running go so well matched with the uh, life, you know, being what it was, what it is, uh, was, was really cool. Um, for lack of better word. Oh, I mean, that's the coolest thing like, to me. So what I've seen is, you know, uh, it simplifies it, but when we face things, we can either, take them in and like with warmth, you know, or we can just push it out and shut out. And that sounds like what you're saying with therapy is that it helped you take things in and use things and develop rather than, you know, pushing away like that old, that old idea that trail therapy is great, but therapy therapy is infinitely better. <laughs> um, so do you think therapy played a role in, um, I mean, you know, for those that don't follow, like, Jonathan's progression has been insane, it, you know, capped with the Canyon, but that's just one of many things. Like, do you think that's played a role in that? Yeah, totally. Um, I think that going to therapy has allowed me to be more present and be a better communicator and show up for people in my life that matter. Um, and 
it's allowed me to connect with people in ways that I hadn't been able to before. Like this past summer, I had three or four friends lose their grandfathers at the same time, basically. And we got so close in our talks about what it was, what we were going through and things like that. Um, like, I don't know that I could have had similar conversations in the past, you know, at the, at the depth that we were having them. And I got to a point where like when someone asks, like, how are you doing? I wasn't answering good. Or, I, you know, if I don't, I, I don't want to say like, yeah. So it was, it was the kind of thing where like, it, it was, it was definitely a, a major contributor. Yeah. And it seems like you derived power in athletics from, you know, this personal growth, Yeah, uh, sure. which I, I mean, the reason I'm, I'm drilling down on this is because it's a story we see unfold all the time that, you know, you can progress pretty far with self-loathing or other things like that, like analogous feelings. Um, but like that comes at a cost. It right. burns people alive from the inside a lot of the times emotionally and, um, you know, it might not be sustainable for like long-term breakthroughs. Um, and what I see like, is you've gone through some of the hardest moments and in that have developed like, you know, a self, like it's just a self-acceptance of like, you know, I applying it directly to athletics because I don't want to delve into stuff that isn't my story to tell. Like when it comes to workouts, I haven't seen you say one workout sucked. You know what I mean? Like, because at the end of the day, a good example is five by three minute hills. And this is a, a lesson for anyone listening. Every time you do a hill repeat, it's a reflection on how you feel about yourself because everyone goes slow on hill repeats. It never exactly feels amazing. Um, maybe rare occasions. And so what, what, what we see Megan and I see with athletes is that if someone is like happy with who they are in that moment, they're usually happy with that workout. And if they're not, they're going to be like, I went so slow. I struggled. I, and the funny thing is, you know, the person that thinks that the good things will actually adapt more to the training based on all the research that's out there. So, um, yeah, like have, did, did, I mean, to me, that really seemed to play a role for you. Like, does that resonate with you when you were thinking about choosing big goals and all this stuff? And like taking risks. Yeah, totally. I like anything is possible is, is sort of my opinion at this point. Well, yeah, you've, you've shown that for sure. I mean, you know, when you're talking about the marathon, like the marathon is is a good, like for simplification because there's a time, right? So with a Canyon or, or a trail race, it's like, it's harder to do that. But you know, I totally, you, you just alluded to 20 minutes faster. I totally, there is definitely a 230 something in your body based on what I've seen. Like it's insane, the progress. Um, and I mean, I think that that's manifested in what just happened in the Canyon because like you put yourself out there in the situation that is horribly uncomfortable for you because not only is the Canyon terrible in a good way, but like in a very difficult way, but you're afraid of heights, like you know, of exposure. And you went to the place where like it's known for exposure in the dark. Right. I mean, that's crazy. Like yeah, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I was panicking the night before talking to Megan, like how much should I talk to John, to, to John about this? Like, I don't want to be the turd in the punch bowl, yeah. you know, before he gets there because he's definitely thinking about this as is, um, should I like bring it up or just act like I'm totally confident in everything that's going to happen? Yeah, and I just had to go right. too, because I'm like, he doesn't need someone else to bring up whatever worries he has. Right. Totally. That was the right move. 
Thank you. Okay. I would not have appreciated any more reminders of how steep it was. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, that's the hard part about the canyon. I mean, the whole thing is hard. But for those that don't know, the the first you know 10K or whatever is straight down the side of a cliff, essentially. Um, and that's hard, you know, like emotionally, if you have issues with that. But then, too, it's really hard physically because you're hitting the hitting the bottom with fried legs almost every time. Um, it's why the canyon is such a unique challenge. It's not just the 40 some miles with the 10,000 plus feet of climbing. That would be easy if that was a different profile. It's hard because it goes down a freaking mountain to start, which is way harder than uphills. So let's, let's get back to the Canyon and you're at the bottom and you start to, to do different types of terrain. How did your legs feel at that point? So I went so slowly down that I felt good. Like I said, I felt good until mile 38. That's so cool. It was so cool. I was, I was eating so much. I was smiling. I was screaming. I was, you know, my license, my car license plate, what started with LFG. And so when I picked up Anna Mae and my other friend, Tony, all we could say was let's fucking go. And we said, let's fucking go probably a hundred thousand million times, uh, particularly in the first few miles, you know, once the sun came up. Um, so yeah, I felt, I felt good. Once we got to Phantom Ranch, that was the first time I saw my friends after we parted ways in the dark. Um, so I was just happy that I wasn't going to be running the whole thing by myself. Um, there were about 10 of them down there at the bottom that we met up at, I don't know, it was like 7.30 at that time or 6.30 or six, whatever it was. Um, and I just knew we had a day ahead of ourselves and we had, we had a lot of fun that was about to happen and, and nobody really knew what was going to happen. And that was super exciting. So, okay. You get to the, the big climb and then you get to the rim. What's that experience like knowing that you're just halfway and (laughs) you know, it's just a, it's a literal halfway, but figuratively it's like, like 10% of the way. So we had the luxury of having somebody drive to the other side. And so I knew that there was going to be this buffet with happy people surrounding them that surrounding it uh, as soon as we got there. And so a couple of friends had just finished the first uh, South to North lap before us. And so literally like climbing out, I see five friends and, and Anna Mae is right there. And she's like, how fucking stoked are you right now? Like, she was so hyped. She was about to go north to south. Uh, so she was fired up about that. And that was just like the energy of that group. And and there were 15 people there and everybody was on this like massive, massive high. And I come in like guns blazing, like this is the best day ever. And and I had been craving a Coke for the last, I don't know, two or three hours and I knew I was about to get that and some pickles and, and some chips. Um, so I was pretty stoked to like eat food that wasn't um, coming out of a tiny little package, despite how good all that tastes too. Um, and then I, we were planning to like hang there for a few minutes and then go back. But answer your question, um, it was it was wild to like go back in knowing that there was like almost a full marathon to go. Um, my watch said 22 miles at that point. Um, and so I was, you know, I I was at the point where I had, we, we went back into the Canyon at like seven hours elapsed. 
oh, like 7.20. And I had never run more than 7.07. And so I was like, I'm about to double my longest run ever uh, or longest time on feet ever. And I was like, what's about to happen? I don't know. <laughs> Let's find out. So it was that like pure uh, excitement and thrill and um, unknown is probably a better word for it. That I was like, let's find, let's find out where, you know, where we're, where we're headed. And so I, I recorded that video um, at like mile 33 that I, that I texted you. And I knew in that moment that the rest of the run was going to be like that. And I knew that that was a high that I needed to enjoy while it lasted. And like, so I acknowledge this so much that I said it to Tony, I was like, Tony, I got some happy legs right now and I'm going to pay for it. And I don't give a shit. (laughs) I want to ride this high until it becomes a low. I don't want to ride like a a medium high until it becomes medium. I want to ride this high until it becomes a low. Um, And that was with pickles, chips and Coke. Anything is possible. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I mean, I thought I thought like so the to paint the scene for people, there's a video of Jonathan um, that he took where he's going on this single track and I guess this is mile 33 or whatever. So, you know, 10 hours into it, more than that. Fun to go from there. Yeah. And um, he knows that the hardest part is about to come and he's just screaming with joy, Um, which like, it's something we try to encourage every athlete to do. And even, even on rest days, like go into nature and scream, you know, because it just, it's one of those moments where you have that transcendence and like, what I think is really interesting about what you just said, though, is you did that specifically knowing that what was about to come was going to be the low point. Like, it's not like you were hopeful that that would persist, really, you know, like you're realistic. And I feel like that gets back to what we were talking about with the emotional work you've been doing and the things you've been through in life. Like, you know, life for all of us is going to be a series of tragedies. You know, if you zoom out far enough, as crazy as that is, like, it's just the nature of it, you know? Like Addy Dog is going to die, like sooner rather than later, in the big scheme of things, and that's the smallest, you know, smallest bean situation you can think of. Um, and that kind of is what you were dealing with in the canyon, right? Like you knew that that high was going to be preceded by, you know, not just like an emotional, but a physical, like drawn to your very core. Um, so, what was that like? So I met up with five other people at Phantom Ranch uh, the second time. And two or three, two of them took off a little bit ahead of us. Um, And then the three of us set out and we were shuffling at this point um, across the river. And then you make that turn and it's like, all right, you got 5,000 feet of climbing ahead of you. Um, It was immediate. Like the happy legs went away absolutely immediately, and the realization of what was ahead um, was pretty sudden. It came on pretty sudden. Um, I separated from them again and almost immediately, and uh, so I was like, you know, fifty feet behind two friends and about two hundred feet behind two more friends. And I was like, do I try and catch them? Mm, I probably shouldn't do that. So I was like. Let's go. Let's see what happens. And, you know, 
we were down at 2,300 feet, climbing back up to 7,000 plus. So the air is like a little nice down there. Um, so I tried to take advantage of moving a little bit quicker to start. And this was our, maybe hour 11. And I looked down at my, at the goo that was in my hand. And I was like, I can't eat another gel. Uh Oh, <laughs> and I had had maybe 20 at that point or 18 or something. And I was like, I need to eat. Like, what am I going to do? I can't, I cannot stomach food right now or gels. Um, and so it was not only the realization that like I have this seven mile climb or six mile climb ahead of me, but like I need fuel and I don't want to eat it. Um, so I played around with, you know, trying to take some pulls of the gel and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is going to get pretty hairy if I can't, if I can't eat here and it's going to be hard, even if I was perfectly fueled. So Physically, it was challenging because of the vert. Mentally, it was challenging because we had two plus hours of climbing ahead of us at this, you know, it's like a 14% average grade. Um, so it was, and it was so brutal and it was so hard. And so I start recording this video. Um, I'm talking into my phone. And at first, I, I said something along the lines of, I think I posted on Instagram the other day. Uh, it was like, this is it. Like, we get to find out what we're made of here. Like, this is it. Uh, the only thing to do is to keep going. That's it. Keep going. And then like two minutes later, I'm, I'm, so I'm using my phone at this point as a way to distract me from the, the like scale of what's ahead. And I'm like taking Snapchats to send later. And I'm, I'm like power hiking while talking into my phone just to, like distract myself and so this is the lowest i'd ever seen myself in any of the the recordings i've ever done of my running and it i posted on facebook the the super high and the super low next to each other i was like this was 10 miles apart <laughs> and the second the second one it was like mile 40 and i was basically saying like i knew this was coming this fucking sucks. What like I this hurts a lot and and I start like rambling for a few seconds and then I look up and my friend Tony is sitting on a rock and I'm like Tony this is so it's like it's it was so good to see him. Um and I just like went from this super super low to this super super high that like hey there's my there's my friend. We're going to get out of this together. Um, he was having some cramping issues, so he figured he'd let the other guy go ahead and he was going to wait for me. Um, and so we spent the next 90 minutes hiking out together and it was really funny. Like the places we went mentally, like eight year old boys, basically like that kind of conversation and <laughs> <laughs> like picture two little kids just like playing in the sandbox, talking about stupid shit. And that's how we you know, we were making poop jokes left and right. We were, you know, stupid puns, things like that. Like, whatever it took to keep us occupied, that's what we were doing. And we are not running. I looked at Jim Walmsley's um, Strava segment. It took us 245 to get out of, uh, from the river to the top. It took him an hour and 14 minutes. It's, that's wild. So we averaged 25-minute mile. He averaged an 11.48 um, 
when he did it last week. And and you know, for context, like that's just insane. Um, so well, we, to to be fair, comparing to Jim Wamsley for anyone on earth <laughs> is insane. But it was it was cool to just like see like what you could possibly like what a human could possibly do. Um, but yeah, we just kept going and and we we kept putting one foot in front of the other because it's a really expensive helicopter ride. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that you took the videos partially like because what what people can see from that is, you know, the psychology of of performance and not just performance, but like life being when you're in the moment and um, the way that things feel and the the ability to get out of those feelings is so much different than when you're out of the moment. So like with athletics, almost after every race, an athlete's like, oh, I could have pushed harder or whatever. Um, and that's just a trick of the brain, right? The brain smooths it over in retrospect. And I'm glad you had those videos for that reason. But then like going back to the life stuff, like, you know, it's so easy to be like, oh, well, this is how I should react in this situation or how I, but when you're in the moment and dealing with something, going through the the emotions and the chemicals and, um, you know, everything that's happening, like you're just trying to get through, you're trying to put one foot in front of the other. And like, what I thought the cool lesson there was, is you just got, it's like, let's fucking go. It's like one step at a time and get out, get friends, get out. And like, I, I thought that was a, such a cool metaphor because you're like literally all your, your only option is to move forward. Like you can't move forward faster. That's impossible. Right. Um, you can't go backwards and you know, I guess you could go up with a helicopter. Like, yeah. And so, you. yeah, yeah. And I mean, you must have dug so physically deep in that process. Yeah. And then, so the sun starts setting and the, you know, we get to, I think it's called Ua Point. It's less than a mile to go. You get this amazing view of the whole canyon. You can see, like, the depth of what you've just accomplished. You know, you've gone 40 plus miles. You have one mile left to go. And so at this point, about a mile or two earlier, we were like, let's break 13. We got to break 13. So we have this mission of breaking 13. And so we were doing the math. We needed, you know, X minute miles. And it just came down to putting one foot in front of the other just a little bit faster than what we were doing previously. And so we get to, we get to a point, we take a picture and just like smile at the fact that we just almost conquered the Canyon. Sun comes down or sun, sun's going down. We're in this last mile and next, you know, half mile ticks by, we have a half mile to go and we just start like the high came back. And it was just like this euphoria of like, I've trained pretty hard this year and I've, I've reestablished this normal for what I think is possible. And, and I've, I've done things that I've never done before, like averaging the kind of weeks I was averaging, you know, higher than my previous peaks. And it, I don't want to say that culminated in that moment, but like the, the, it all had led to that and all had allowed me to get to that point. And we just couldn't stop smiling. And it was just like, we were just like screaming and all energy we had left was going into like this celebration mode. So we come up these last couple switchbacks um, and we start seeing 
visitors or we start seeing, you know, regular tourists. So we're like, okay, if that pregnant lady who's like nine months pregnant can be here right now, like I can get out. (laughs) And, and it was, it was just insane that like, I just started to grasp the, the like idea that we had done it. And the sunset was so beautiful and it was so perfect. And to be able to see a sunrise and sunset in the same run, that's cool. So we get out to start high-fiving and screaming and it's this massive, massive accomplishment. And then there's nobody in the parking lot, no bus, no car, no buffet, no one. And we're like, okay, now what? <laughs> so it's this like, this like pure high leading into this like, oh, it's cold and it's windy up here. And like, where do we go? So we just sat down on the rocks and there were three of us right there. And we we're like, now what? Now what do we do? Like, I, I'm not getting back up again. And eventually a bus came. We got on the bus and um, I had a piggy bar, one piggy bar left. I'd eaten like six of them so far that day. And I was so pumped to find this one piggy bar. And I opened the wrapper and I'm sitting like right behind the driver. <laughs> the lady's like, sir, there's no eating on the bus. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I just ran 45 miles. All I want to do is eat this piggy bar right now. Let me, let me live and let me eat this. And I was like, ma'am, I'm, I'm like really hungry. She's like, no eating on the bus. <laughs> I was like, I like almost cried. I was so unhappy about that. I was starving. And it was just like this microcosm of like, yeah in the grand scheme of things, like nobody really gives a shit that you just did the Grand Canyon. Like life goes on. Um, so it this was episode fun. brought to you by picky bars, <laughs> picky bars, the tastiest bar to get told not to eat. Seriously. Uh, I, I wanted nothing more than to eat that bar, but so picky. Well, bar. I think that, I should mean, make, you should make less crinkly wrappers. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You need like covert food. Yeah. Picky bars. The sponsorship is contingent on giving us, <laughs> a more covert option. No. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that might even be one of the more powerful lessons for, for people listening to, I mean, I I think the best lesson there for how it ended too, because I think, you know, so many of us in life, like you want to set these big goals. You want to be going for it with like the sub three marathon or the Canyon, but not just that, like professionally going for that promotion or even in a relationship, a marriage or something like that. But like what happens when you get there might be that, you know, it's, you're in a empty parking lot without a bus and then you get on the bus and they're not even letting you eat your delicious, nutritious picky bar. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, did, did a part of you be like, man, this is a good metaphor in that moment. Yeah, totally. It was like, wow, you're right. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and I think that that's like one of the hardest things for athletes to realize, like, you know, I'm a broken record with this, but being fortunate enough to see people achieve their biggest dreams, like even dreams that don't really have like additions that you can add, you know what I mean? Like if you win a world championship, do you want to win another world championship? I guess like, you know, so seeing athletes achieve those things, like unless they are at a place of self-acceptance before they get there, it doesn't really matter. And that's why like drawing back to your experience with everything you've been through and all the work you've done outside of running. Like, I think that's probably what lets your body 
do this thing that like, you know, so few people on earth could do. And, you know, a year ago would have been crazy. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's been a fun, it's been a fun year and it's been a shitty year. Uh, and it's fun that the fun has outweighed the shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, that's life, right? It's like fun mixed up with shit. Um, you know, and it's just like trying to find the, the joy you can in that process in both the fun and the shit, you know, like I think the coolest thing about the Canyon was you were taking those, those recordings of your low points, knowing that this was part of the reason you were doing it. You know, I was so excited to find that low point and to find like to experience where my mental state was and like how I was going to deal with it to dig out of that low point. I think a lot of people, you know, sign up for hundred milers to find out if they can do it or, you know, figure out how they manage the, the lows. Um, and I think it was, uh, it was super cool to, to get there and then get out of it. So, okay. How did your legs feel that night and the next day? So we were camping in the canyon that night, and I, I was like, I might never get up. <laughs> like, um, I had I had to pee at like two in the morning, and I simply didn't. I laid there until I fell back to sleep because I was not getting up to go to the bathroom. Um, they were pretty wrecked immediately. Um, the next day wasn't as I was expecting it to be worse, uh, but as the day went on, it got it got pretty bad. Um, and then we drove to Flagstaff Sunday night. We made a last minute curveball. Uh, I was like, I can't, I can't sleep on the ground again. tonight. Like that's simply not happening. <laughs> so we slept in a bed in Flagstaff. Uh, we booked on like a hotel tonight on the way there. And, um, I slept like a baby. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. I woke up, I was like, I just slept nine and a half hours and feel great. I felt great mentally. Um, I did not feel great physically. Monday was Monday was tough. Uh, and I had a four-hour drive and a five-hour flight. And at one point on the flight, I forgot that my legs were not functioning properly. And so I went to stand up, and I just didn't. <laughs> I just like – and everyone was looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Like, I look pretty fit and like pretty, uh, athletic. Like why, why can't he stand up? Um, and it was just funny in that moment that like, I completely forgot, but my legs didn't. Um, and so that was Monday, Tuesday felt a little better. And then today feels pretty good. All things considered. So what's next for your, for your podcast audience? I know for my podcast audience. Um, I'm supposed to be pacing a 140 half marathon, uh, on Sunday, um, to be determined. And then uh, North Face 50K. Um, hopefully that happens this year. Um, and then uh, I believe it's, what, nine days of rest? So that should, be, uh, that should be fun. Yeah, yeah. So the North Face 50K after your big canyon breakthrough, what are your goals there? Again, just have fun. Um, share a start line with a lot of awesome people and uh, – you know, finally check the box of racing a 50k despite having done the distance now twice. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, I'm just excited for you to shoot your shot. Like that's the story I think that you've told here is like over the last two years, I've just gotten to see you in all these different ways. Just go for it. Like, you know, sometimes you're going to miss and that's okay. Like, 
you just put yourself out there and go for it. And like, I, I don't know, I'm just so excited to think about like what the coming years entail, because if you keep shooting those shots, man, you're going to be freaking Steph Curry by like <laughs> 2022. I can't wait. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens um, and see where it goes. Awesome. I mean, I'm just so ex- like this accomplishment was one of the cooler things I've ever gotten to see unfold. And I'm very glad I didn't tell you the night before. Are you feeling okay about this descent in the canyon? Um, yeah. yeah. I was not feeling decent about the descent. No. Yeah. Well, that was Megan was the one that cautioned me against that. She yeah. like Megan she always gives me the uh, you know helps me out when I am having issues with my own coaching anxiety. So it was really helpful. And that was definitely the right call. Heck yeah. Cool. Well. Um, a couple of people had some questions, so I was, maybe we can just run through those pretty quickly. Um, the one that I think that would be useful for you to answer, I think, is uh, what do you do after an ultra to make sure you're ready for the next adventure without injury? So walk me through the, the thought process on taking a few days off and then doing another workout, you know, things like that. Yeah, so... The singular trauma of a big event is not that great relative to the cumulative trauma of training. So the chronic stress of training is not is is way greater than the acute stress of racing or doing a big adventure most of the time. So as long as like you don't go into the acute activity super overtrained or hurt, you know, a lot of times people go in injured, like the the that event, like you your body can recover pretty quickly. Like um you know, for, for Jonathan, like he's getting blood work, which will actually be super helpful, but most likely most of the muscle damage, almost all the muscle damage will be cleared out within about a week and over a few days he can work. So, you know, that's what you start with is that there's this, this muscular, muscular trauma, but theoretically like all the hard tissues in place. And so from there, take a good general rule is one mile or one rest day per 10 miles run. Um, and so, you know, for something like the Canyon, three or four days of full rest, no matter what, um, you can go farther, but you probably shouldn't go shorter Then um, start adding in some easy days until you get to that window when there's no muscle damage, then you can add in strides to rebuild cardiac stroke output. And then you'll be right back at it. You know, you can get back into workouts and things. And I think that one of the cooler things of all this is that you can actually get a super compensation stimulus from racing or big adventures, even really long ones like this. Like I'm really excited for North Face because I think Jonathan based on his past history is a type of athlete that will bounce back stronger from this. Not like this isn't a destructive activity. This is actually one that he can build up from. So it won't feel like that for the next few days, but next week, maybe I like the sound of that. Um, Well, cool. Another question was, how do you balance a training plan with taking a chance to enjoy life adventures? Um, this was an interesting question because you can build these life adventures into training. Um, but the way that the way that I do it is I like to share. Um, I like to share the, the miles with people. Uh, I get to travel for work and I get to share, you know, runs and breakfasts and things like that with people all across the country or people who are visiting, uh, visiting massachusetts when i'm when i'm here as well uh so i think that's a fun way to do it um another question was did we have a time or a pace goal and how do you you know 
extrapolate that on something that you've never ever done before. I think sometimes it's healthy to just not have those goals. I had no context for what we would be running. I said it would be in the 10 to 15 hour range. And I thought that was probably right. And it was. Um, but like I said, we were getting towards the end and we set this, you know, 13, uh, 13 hour goal. Uh, down at Phantom Ranch, we were talking, oh, can we break 12? But then we spent 25 minutes at Phantom Ranch. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's super healthy sometimes to just have these completion goals. Is that is that something that you recommend to athletes as well? Oh yeah, I mean, unless like the time itself is what brings you brings part of the meaning and is relevant for pacing like in a road marathon. Otherwise just go on feel. You know, I think often people constrain themselves with those sorts of goals or or, or things, not not just like um like actually you know, I think people that monitor that stuff a lot don't necessarily let there be breakthroughs. Um, and Jonathan being a great example of this, like by not paying attention to every single split and like going based on what a watch said throughout training over the last couple of years, he's had to have, like his body has let him have these huge breakthroughs that if he was looking at a watch, he'd be like, this is not right. This isn't good. Like I should back off. Um, Which I said so, to myself and to you many times and you were like, nope, nope, you're doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like in the moment, a breakthrough doesn't really like, it feels like normal, you know, like it feels like in, um, only in retrospect, you realize that. So I encourage people to take off the time goals, take off the pace goals and let it flow from your body. And whatever amounts from that is freaking awesome. As Jonathan said, it's like, that is the point is to go for it, not to like evaluate what you're doing, especially in the moment while you're doing it. Definitely. Um, our friend Mary wants to know what is Addie training for? She's training for love. Nice. It's basically and cheese. Love and cheese is what Addie's always training for. Um, she's doing so, a great job. Yeah, she just turned seven, so she's the senior dog now. Yeah. Um, so she's got. Uh, last night she went to a, a movie thing at a running store um, and really, really worked on her love muscles. So <laughs> she's taking a, a little bit of a rest day today. Good. Will she be at North Bay? She will be at North Face. Um, she'll be my support dog as I freak out about everyone out there on the course. Awesome. Um, another question that like a lot of people asked, what did you eat? Um, so morning of the race or the day, uh, I had a picky bar and a waffle and a coffee when I woke up. So pretty low on the calorie front. Uh, probably like 300 calories or 400 calories uh, beforehand. And then in the first mile, I was eating a stroop waffle as well. And then pretty much after 45 minutes, I started every 30 minutes eating a gel or a goo gel or a um, one of the chews, one of their chews. And the chews were what I switched to at hour 11. And it was just like, I'm eating candy. This is great. Um, but I, I went, you know, from hour one to hour 11, pretty much having a gel every 30 minutes, like clockwork. Um, and I, I think that that kept my energy super consistent throughout. And I was just shocked. I was able to, to eat that many that ends up being, it was like 18 of them. Um, and then in there, as I said, I mixed in some real food, some picky bars, um, an epic bar, venison jerky at the North Rim, 
um, Coke, pickles, chips, and a couple of blueberries because they looked and sounded amazing at the time. Um, and that was what got me through. So that was cool. That's that's perfect. You, uh, I think you really nailed all the little things around the event that lets you like experience the event fully. Yeah. I'd rather, uh, yeah, I was, I was wanting to, I was happy that my stomach cooperated for as long as it did so that I could have those highs. Um, and I drank tons and tons of water. I probably filled up my pack six times. Um, and I was just really pleased with how, how the fueling and hydration side of it went. Um, that allowed me to get to mile 38 before things fell apart because it would have been a much different day had things fallen apart at, you know, mile 15, which happened to be like four hours in. Yeah. Need that helicopter on speed dial. (laughs) That would have been awful. Um, but yeah, that's, so I think that, I think that covers it again. I want to thank you for your, your unwavering support, you know, in the life department and the running department and the, um, the dog department, all that stuff. Um, and I can't wait to see what's next. Yeah. I am just so proud of you for going for it. Like not just the Canyon, but literally everything. And that's like my final takeaway from this story for anyone listening is just give yourself a chance, like not just in athletics, that's one place where you can practice it and build that muscle. But in everything you do, just give yourself a chance. There are like the downsides of most of the things that we're talking about. Like it's, it's so much greater um, or the risk is so much greater not to give yourself the chance. So um, yeah, like what I learned from Jonathan and what he's given me a lot of courage with in my own life is to just freaking go for it, to go for it without worrying too much about, you know, exactly how it's going to unfold prepare, but you know, don't overthink the process. In the wise words of the Canyon Companions, let's fucking go. That wraps it up. <laughs> let's fucking go. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, David. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Bye. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.